You know something about baby boy now, don't you? You turn the microphone on. Uh huh. Okay. Little Lynn. <laughs> Little Lynn. <laughs> yeah. God. God help me for this movie. <laughs> this, this horrible. Oh my God. Oh my God. Anyway. You want some breakfast? <laughs> this is gonna be your line now. This is gonna be your line. It's been my line, but you didn't get it. Oh, but you get it now, don't you? Now you understand. You can learn a lot from Melvin. He turned his life around. He got a business. Hey Lynn. Hey Lynn. Hey Lynn. Don't mama need a life too? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let me smell your dick. <laughs> Don't you talk about Academy Award nominated actress Taraji P. Henson. It's a long road <laughs> from let me smell your dick <laughs> to hidden figures. You just gonna rape me in front of my son? <laughs> Heart wrenching. Mm, yes. Yes. A coming of age tale for the entire family. Hey, Lynn, you want some breakfast? <laughs> Welcome to the Michelle Mission, everybody. <laughs> Two men, one podcast. <laughs> Oh, if you're only listening to the radio, you do not know what you've just missed. This is why you have to listen to the podcast. Um, two men, one... <laughs> one podcast, every black film ever made. He is your host, Lynn Webb, of the world-famous Black Tribbles. <laughs> and I... I'm your host, Vincent Williams, of It's All Soul, Wednesdays, 8 to 10, on G-Town Radio. And tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we are reviewing from 2001, John Singleton's Baby Boy, starring Tyrese Gibson, Taraji B. Henson, Adrian Joy Johnson. A.J. Johnson. She'll always be A.J. Johnson to me. That's true. Omar Gooding and Ving Rhames. Ving Rhames. In a very special in performance. In a very special performance. Ving Rhames should have got tenure at MIT in the electrical engineering department for his role as Melvin in Baby Boy. Ving Rhames should have won Miss USA last night for his role as Baby Boy in Baby Boy as Melvin. Melvin should be... Um, <laughs> Should be like like doctorate level scene work at Juilliard. Oh yeah, oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I'm trying to be a good N word, but little punk A N words trying to make me go to prison for life. You know I got two strikes. Can you imagine my man on? Um, Oh, what's my man that does the uh, the the interview shows with all the actors about their careers? Oh, I just forgot his name. <laughs> I forgot his name. 
And then you played Melvin. In and you got you had a polite had that polite, <laughs> polite clap, clap. <laughs> polite clap, the polite clapping from from the audience who've studied his work. If you should make it to heaven, what would you say to? <laughs> Say to St. Peter at the pearly gates. I would ask St. Peter, do he want some breakfast? <laughs> you know, there's an alternate cut where where uh, Jody says he does want some breakfast, and Melvin drops the tray and they embrace each other <laughs> and run off together. Started a little B&B in Vermont. The mattresses are hard, but the French toast <laughs> is divine. Mattresses so hard. It's Melvin and Jody's B&B. That's on an alternate cut of it. It's like, you know how it's like five different versions of Blade Runner? Yes. Because it's like the director's cut and then it's the ultimate version. Right. Like John Singleton has a version of Baby Boy where Jody actually says he wants some breakfast. And then they run off together. Like Jody says, I do want some breakfast. And then Jody takes off all his clothes too. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> we're going to be reviewing Baby Boy. But before we do that, <laughs> we had um, Vince put out a question of the day. Uh, because Bad Boys is your favorite bad movie. Baby, Baby Boy. Boy is, yes. Baby Boy is your yes. favorite bad movie. Yes. So you put out there to ask people, um, what is their favorite bad movie? Yes. A and, film that you know is bad. Right. But you enjoy it nevertheless. And unlike when I put out my question of the day, yes. we got a lot of responses to yours. All right. Um, <laughs> well, people love their bad movies. They love Vince. Like, nobody loves a bad movie like people who love movies. People love Vince. Um, Joseph uh, Lechuga, at Lechuga underscore Joseph on Twitter, said that he he'll comes, I, I think he meant he, he comes to Frogtown is one of my favorites. I don't even know what, what that is. He comes to Frogtown? That's the name of the movie. Okay. He comes to Frogtown. I don't. I don't know the movie. Let's uh, let's see if I can uh, uh, Google it real quick because I put that my uh, favorite bad movie is the specials, which is a movie that nobody's ever seen. I was about to say I've never even heard of that, and, and there's no reason why you should. It's oh, this is a good question because it's going to give me good movie watching. I don't know if it's good movie watching. <laughs> well, you know, fun movie watching. Uh, oh. Oh, he said heel, but I think it's hell. Hell comes to Frogtown. Hell comes to Frogtown from 1988. That's a good year for bad movies. Wow. After a nuclear war, the survivors are divided between horribly mutated beings who live in Frogtown. Oh, wow. I love everything about this so far. Who live on desolate reservations and fertile women who are searching for scarce virile men in order to multiply and start a new society. All right. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Written and directed by John Donald G. Jackson. All right. And starring Julius LaFour and Roddy Piper. Yeah, see, all right. That's a good one. We'll write that down. Yeah. You, <laughs> you get, this, get describing there, Vince. Uh, Hell Comes to Frogtown. Um, that's... that's Dope selection there. Let's see what else. I think somebody else. Uh, we had a couple others 
here. Um, but, 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 as I scroll on through, I thought, okay, yeah. My favorite uh, terrible movie, this is from at Daryl Daryl, a comedian, uh, Daryl Charles. My favorite terrible movie is Marked for Death. Yes. Steven Seagal versus Jamaican voodoo practicing right. drug dealers. That's right. Equals art. Yeah, absolutely. It reminds me of Predator 2, where it's the same thing. Calvin Locke, I believe that's Calvin Lockhart's last role. Really? As as he's in the he's the head of the Jamaican drug posse, also practicing voodoo. Oh wow. That's right. Because you know, Jamaica, Haiti. It's it's one of the islands with black mm-hmm. people doing mm-hmm. stuff, so it's some voodoo between somewhere between the two of them. Just write it up. And let's get to this cocaine. <laughs> Cocaine's not going to snort itself. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> it, it's not. So that um, so that was his response. Um, Real black. Hey, what's up, Mike? Hey, what's up, Mike? Mike Dennis hit us up. Uh, this is in response to our, our question about our favorite uh, TV to movie to TV adaptations. Oh, what did he say? Well, he listed MASH. Okay, of course. What's happening? Okay, all right. Bewitch. Interesting. Bewitch was based on a movie? Well, it, it it's loosely based on um, Bedknob, Bells, uh, Bedknobs and Broomsticks. I did not know yeah, that. It's, it's very loosely okay. based on that. Uh, as well as Hogan's Heroes. What was Hogan's Heroes based on? Hogan's Heroes is based, again, loosely on the great Billy Wilder movie, Starlock 17, with William Holden. I did not know that connection. Have you seen Starlock 17? I have, but don't ask me anything about it. It's a great movie. It's a, I mean, Billy Wilder. Yeah. There you go. Well, yeah, enough said right there. Billy yeah. Wilder, right? All right. Um... Then uh, Aaron Fry, who actually hit us up on Twitter when we were talking about cops on TV. Okay. Um, he had mentioned there were two that he he said that we forgot to we forgot to mention. One being Ron Harris from Barney Miller. Yeah, it's and that's that's you know, I'm actually rediscovering Barney Miller too. Oh really? Yeah, they're running on like MeTV or one of my old people stations. Yeah, Barney Miller was my dad's favorite. Barney TV Miller series. is, you know, everybody sit down for the controversial thing I'm about to say. Barney Miller was really good. It was a very good like, show. Like, like wow. I like, mean, and it, it holds up good. It does. Yeah, because it it never stepped outside its boundaries. It never stepped. It didn't no. try to be anything that it no. wasn't. No, you know what I mean. You just had these very very good actors, these very very smart scripts. Yep. And basically, they were in the um. And it was one. They, they were in the squad the, room the whole in time. In the squad room the whole time. Yeah. And and it, and it felt like the world to you. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah, Barney Miller was a very good show. Uh, Aaron also hit us up, uh, um, also mentioned uh, CCH Pounder's role of Claudette from The Shield. Did you okay, watch? Okay, I didn't remember. I didn't. Shield? I didn't really watch The Shield. The Shield was an epic yeah. show. That but I love good. CCH Pounder. Oh yeah, she can. She just very. She can do nothing wrong. No, no, she's another one that I think should work way more than she does. Like, even at the height of her being in stuff, mm-hmm. I thought she should have been in more stuff. Really? I love CCH. Pat. So do I. I really do. I really, I, I really do. Uh, and then we got an email from Dorian. Dorian Missick. Hey, what's up, Dorian? What's up? He uh, sent us an email 
Um, and I'll read the email out. Okay. To you. Fellas. Okay. It's a good start. It's a good start, right? <laughs> Let's just live on that moment. For I know, right? Fellas, just listen to the belly episode. Hilarious. <laughs> I was at the gym and kept laughing out loud at Len's utter disgust with the film to the point that people were moving away from me from sudden fear that I was insane. <laughs> the sheer joy I got from Len's watching this film and actually expecting it to make sense in any kind of way made my day. <laughs> crazy. Now, Len, this is a serious question. Have you no black friends? <laughs> there is. But there is no way in hell. I believe that not a single soul has mentioned to you just how unwatchable Belly is hey. without the aid of massive amounts of alcohol or a group of sarcastic friends who make a game out of discovering the most ridiculous thing about the film. I almost felt sorry for you <laughs> because I can't imagine sitting through that movie expecting anything other than pure comedy oh. and the pleasure of watching Tarot Hicks. And I'm going to leave the Tarot Hicks mention at that because, as you know, she was very greasy throughout this film. <laughs> and for me to belabor the point much more you know is to put my marriage in jeopardy. <laughs> but you get the Easy. picture. <laughs> Ah, belly. This was possibly my favorite episode. Hey, man. Well, I'm glad he enjoyed it. <laughs> At any rate, <laughs> my question to your, my answer to your question of the day regarding my favorite bad movie is hands down Norbit. Wow. Oh, boy. This movie is classic Eddie Murphy, but well past the audience tolerance for Eddie's costume humor. I truly believe had this film come out before Nutty Professor, it would have been just as big a hit. Eddie is excellent in this film, but no one cared by this point. Marlon Wayans even has a cameo that was on par with Dave Chappelle's cameo in Nutty Professor. A classic case of overkill gave this poor movie a bad rap. To put it in music terms, imagine what kind of career Freddie Jackson would have had if there was never a <laughs> Luther Vandross. Would Shy be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame if we never had boys to men? Somewhere D-Train is mad as hell Colonel Abrams ever found a microphone. Wow. Keep rocking. Well, See y'all next go. month or whenever we can get this thing together. Dorian Mystic. I think this may be the first time that Shah and Colonel Abrams have been in the same paragraph. Yes, it is. That was um See Lynn, you bring joy to the people. How do I bring joy? You like Willy Wonka. <laughs> Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. You know, but I I've watched Norbit. Yeah. I don't think Nor I don't I don't think Norbit is like Eddie Murphy genius, but I do see his point mm -hmm. about by the time that movie came out you were done seeing with Eddie Murphy and Kyle. Well, you know, the funny thing, as he was saying it, I realized that I've seen Norbert one time, but I was so in the Eddie Murphy post-Dream Girls mm -hmm. mode that I was disappointed that, like, he had gone so broad. 
Okay. And I was sitting here as you were reading it think, thinking, because I've heard other people kind of champion Norbit. Yeah. And I was sitting there, maybe I need to watch Norbit again. No. I mean, you know, we got to watch all of them. It's a black movie. So we'll watch it again when it's worth it. And you it. know, we've done what? One Eddie Murphy movie? I guess we are yeah, due for another. Yeah, I mean, we're Murphy. due. We're due for We've another. We've done two John Singleton movies after tonight. Think about that. Yeah, two John Singleton movies, but one Eddie Murphy. Yeah. Movie. And we've only really done two Denzel movies. Yeah. Yeah, we got, I mean, you know. And we haven't touched, well, I guess we've we've done Wesley Snipes, but we have, haven't done Wesley Snipes in a leading role. No, we haven't. Yeah, we got to get on our giddy up. Hey, man, we got a lot to do. It's, <laughs> it, it is a labor of love. It is. Speaking of labor of love, we heard from um, also on here, uh, let's see, uh, Romero Manuel, at Romero Manuel. Okay. Hit us up on Twitter with a very lengthy Twitter okay. response. At Mission Michelle, hey, brothers, quick way in. Okay. Belly. <laughs> I agree with Lynn that Belly was very weak regarding the story and plot. However, it was visually stunning, which made it all the more disappointing. Regarding Baby Boy, Mm. I was listening to The Read the other week, and in the process of ripping Tyrese up, they also ripped into Baby Boy. Mm. Can't believe Lynn hasn't seen this. It's an essential part of Singleton's hood trilogy though Mm. it doesn't continue the early narratives from boys or higher learning it has some great character pieces and allows unsung actors a time to shine especially ms aj johnson Mm. and ving rames plus young taraji b henson man talk about fine she was fine she was fine. you know taraji p henson in mom because you know like she's like our age She's around our age, and she went to Howard. Oh, did she really? Yeah, but to me, that's just like that's like exhibit whatever number you're up to. This is completely unprofessional what I'm about to say, but I think about whenever I see Taraji P Henson and realize that like we were in the air. Women, it was it was so many fond women just around mm-hmm. that I completely see how you know you would like walk past Taraji P Henson. Right, because she would have been one of the multitude. Yes. Right there. Because she was fine. No, she is fine. No, no, no. She is fine. I, obviously. I'm just saying, you I know. Feel you, feel you. Like, you see her in Baby Boy and you forget how cute she was. Yeah, because she is really, really she, cute. She is. Very, very cute. Very but we're going to talk about Baby Boy in a minute, aren't we, Lynn? Hey, Lynn. <laughs> you want some breakfast? <laughs> All right, let's just jump into <laughs> our review of 2001's <laughs> Baby Boy. Dear Lord, please forgive us for all the sins we have brought upon us. And look down upon us with forgiveness for all the sins we will have in the future. I know you understand that we are perfect, but we try, Lord. Show us the way, and if you can't show us the way, then forgive us for being lost. John Singleton, creator of the breakthrough film, Boys in the Hood, brings you a new look at life in the hood. 
Singleton of Boys in the Hood and Higher Learning and Poetic Justice. Yes. The film follows bicycle mechanic Joseph Jody Summers as he lives and learns in his everyday life in the hood of Los Angeles. Mm. It represented Mm -hmm. the film debut of actress Taraji P. Henson and R&B singer Tyrese Gibson. Mm -hmm. Gibson and Henson later starred in the film Four Brothers. The film was originally set to start to star Tupac Shakur. That's right. Instead, switched to Gibson to Gibson after Shakur's 1996 death. This movie also stars Omar Gooding, A.J. Johnson, Adrian Joy Johnson, Snoop Dogg in a memorable cameo. He plays and, Rodney. He plays Rodney. And and don't forget the and because he earns every bit of the syllable. Ving Rhames, Ving Rhames in one of his more memorable Ving performances Rames. in this film, which is official Vince favorite bad movie. Yes. What say you about Baby It's What say you about Baby Boy? What say me about Baby Boy? You know, the funny is it's funny. I've seen this movie a lot. But this is the first time I've watched it, like, critically. Yeah. And I think Baby Boy can really, like, everything you need to know about Baby Boy can be summed up in the first scene. Mm. Where it's a voiceover and Jody is talking about, you know, famous black psychiatrist Frances Cress Wilson. Yes. And her theory about the, the infantilizing of black men. Mm-hmm. And as he's speaking, there's a shot of of Tyrese, and he's naked, and it's like he's a, a fetus. Yes. And Tyrese talking about Francis Cress Walsing as Jody. Mm-hmm. There's nothing about Jody that makes you think Jody was somewhere reading. <laughs> like I was going to say, reading Francis Cress Walsing, but reading and it's Francis Cress. Walson. Walson. Oh, you're right. Mm-hmm. And you see the image that they're going for with him as, you know, as a fetus. Yeah. But it looks ridiculous. 
this picture of of Tyrese. Mm-hmm. And I think that is this film. I think you, I think a lot of what we said when we talked about poetic justice mm-hmm. applies to Baby Boy, where I understand John Singleton's instinct. Like I understand the story he wants to tell about you know what does it mean to be a black man and what does black manhood mean, especially when you're in this environment where you don't have access to to the markers right that we say make a man right you know having a job and and, and having income and all of this stuff mm-hmm. and i understand what he's going for and you know as as I, I forget who who just um wrote the letter talked about some of the performances i think much like poetic justice there are these performances sort of embedded in this film that are really interesting like unironically without any type of joking i love aj johnson in this movie okay i love aj johnson and i love her character juanita okay as this young mother and and, you know i've said i think i said it last week where i said casting her as tyrese's mother is some of the best casting i've ever seen yeah because she looks like if she had a baby when she because you know it came out in 2001 um aj johnson was 38 Mm -hmm. when the film came out wow A.J. Johnson looks like if she had a baby when she was 18 and then 20 years later, she still looked like that. Yeah. You yeah, know, because right. she's, she's, right. she's amazingly sexy and amazingly, you know, she has an attitude, but it's sort of this, you, you know, everything that you have with her. Uh, you, you know, I think I think Taraji P. Henson does good work. Mm-hmm. With what she's given in her film debut, and her film debut, you know, I make a lot of jokes jokes about Ving Rhames, and I think Ving Rhames as Melvin is unintentionally funny. Mm-hmm. But there are moments in here where I like Melvin's character. Yes, but much like Poetic Justice, the main problem with Baby Boy is the lead actor, mm-hmm. and that's Tyrese. Mm-hmm. You know, Ty. I'm trying to be more positive about things. And I kind of respect how Tyrese has found his lane. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I like how he found his lane. Like, he has fooled around. You know, I saw, like, like the, the, the last, the, the, the fate of the Furious just passed, like, right. some insane number. Yeah. You know, billions of dollars. And he's part of, he is, part of he is part of that franchise. That's right. You know, he's part of the Transformers franchise. That's true, yeah. And he's like a, the black guy that you kind of stick in the middle of this thing. Mm-hmm. And he has like maybe nine lines in the whole movie. Mm-hmm. And that's his lane. Yeah. He makes this kind of midland, forgettable R&B music. I was just about to say that. Yeah. That is kind of on the radio in between stuff yeah. that you want to hear. Right. Like you're listening to him. It's like, like you know, like they said, after the break, we're going to play um, – we're going to play Redbone by, by Childish Gambino. But first, here's some Tyrese stuff. And right. it's like, okay, I'll sit through this until Redbone comes on. Like, right. I, you know, I'll just, I'm driving. You know, you're on the highway. You won't mess with the radio. So he makes that kind of R&B. And he's kind of made this nice life for himself. Yes, he has. In his lane. Yes. He's not a good actor, though. Like, no. he's not a, an actor that can kind of hold down a project. Mm-hmm. And and the house of cards collapses around him around him because he's on the bottom. Having said that, once that house of card collapses, 
then it becomes unintentionally hilarious. Right. Because the relationship between Tyrese's character, Jody, and and, and Juanita's new boyfriend, Melvin, played by Ving Rhames, mm-hmm. is one of the most bizarre, homoerotic, <laughs> ill-feeling, strange relationships I have ever seen on a screen I don't know if Ving Rhames wants to rape him make him his son run off with him and become lovers or kind of a D all of the above all of the above situation because the scenes between the two of them are are spectacularly bizarre (laughs) and that is what brings me back to this film again and again you know we can talk about snoop as as rodney who's you know having a who we can talk about omar gooding i'm not really sure what omar gooding is doing like, sweet peas like as he like okay. like i've been watching this movie for for 15 years now and like this morning when i watched it, i actually put in my notes i'm not quite sure what omar gooding is doing exactly like i'm not sure what he's going for but you know it's baby boy it's it's a bad movie it's a fun movie it means well, but I just think, I I think again, I think John Singleton's reach exceeds his grasp mm-hmm. or grasp. I, I still haven't figured out, like we talked about this before. You'd think I went and looked it up, but you know what? I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but more importantly, this is your first time seeing baby boy. It is indeed. This is your first time being asked that that <laughs> that question that we all have to answer. Do you want some breakfast? So, Lynn, I now ask you, what was your impression of Baby Boy? Well, it's obvious to me watching this film that John Singleton, throughout his career, because you've got Boys in the Hood, Poetic Justice, Higher Learning, uh, Shaft, Baby Boy, and now he's been doing a lot of action movies lately because he did uh, the the second Fast and the Furious. Two yes, Fast yes, he's had two two Fast Two Furious, which I believe introduced Tyrese to the Fast and Furious. Exactly, mythos. exactly. Um, and then he he's uh, been doing so, a couple of episodes of uh, American Crime Story and Empire. Right, right. And he has a series on now. Oh yeah, uh, Rebel. Right, right, on right. BET. He's the executive producer on there. Um, but it's obvious to me, having watched Baby Boy, that he has missed his calling <laughs> as a director of comedy. <laughs> because and here we go. It was with that opening scene that you spoke about with Tyrese in the in the womb. It first starts on an extreme close-up of him. So when you have that extreme close-up of Tyrese, who, regardless of what we may think of his his acting, the career that he's carved out for himself, um, and his performance in this role, it can't be taken away from him that he's a nice-looking guy. Yes, he is. And a, and a very deep, dark guy. Yes. So when you have that, Camera loves him. The camera loves the man. So when you have that extreme close-up of him with the almost 
you know, abstract feel in that close up of the, I guess, umbilical cord that you see that's uh, wrapping around him. Um, but, but but before you see that, you just see it kind of like off on the side. Yes. And then it, there's, um, you know, uh, 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 very different colorful lightings and gels bouncing off of his skin. That extreme close-up welcomes you into, okay, what are we doing here? Okay. Is this movie trying to be a little something else? Pulls back to reveal him in the womb. Then you start hearing the dialogue, uh, um, the voiceover, talking about this psychiatrist who has a theory about the black man in America. She says because of the system of racism in the country, the black man is meant to think of himself as a baby. Yes. And then he goes down through these basic, you know, um, uh, not yet fully formed being who has not yet realized his full potential. To support her claim, the psychiatrist offers the following. First off, what does the black man call his woman? Mama. Mama. Secondly, what does a black man call his closest acquaintance? His boys. Finally, what does a black man call his place of residence? His crib. Now, <laughs> when I hear, heard that, plus the image of him that's holding, now you can fully see him in fetus position, <laughs> naked, with what uh, is meant to be an umbilical cord yes. wrapped around him. At that point, I said, oh, this is, this is Monty Python. <laughs> Here we go. I thought that no one had done Monty Python. I thought the closest we saw was going to be a dark town strutters. Oh no, it's a baby boy right here. I'm with it. Yes, yes, yes. All the way to the point where he all of a sudden gives birth to himself and he's screaming, drowning in the in the womb. Right. right. As he has a montage of his entire life flashing in front of him. Yes. But then I noticed on the montages that the scene work in the montages look really amateurish. Mm. And then it comes back to him hollering. And there's something as nice looking about Tyrese. There's something disturbing to me about his teeth. <laughs> that when <laughs> that when he hollers. Yeah, I feel like I should just put my mic down. This is fantastic. Please all continue. I see. <laughs> All I see is like this big, wide, like, like, like chorus of teeth mm-hmm. with bubbles bursting through them as he's drowning in the womb. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cut to the movie. Yes. Where he is bouncing back and forth between two chicks. You actually skipped over the very first scene. Where he drops, not even drops off, he's waiting outside eating candy while Juanita is getting an abortion. That's right. That's right. I forgot all about that scene. Then he takes it and tucks in bed and says, you all right? You want some food or something? You want some food or something? I can go to Lucy's. You want a strawberry shake or something? A strawberry milkshake. Strawberry milkshakes have a medicinal purpose in this film but yes. i don't know if you notice they came up again, and, again. Exactly. and she says no and then he says and i love this I, right here i said now i see why juanita 
keeps having getting pregnant by this guy, then you don't mind if I take your keys and take the car. Oh yeah, after he leaves I her said, in, the, in the house, wow, and takes the car over to his other baby mama's house. Yes, who said make me something to eat? Yes. It was at that point that I realized, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, John Singleton is serious. Oh yeah, this is supposed to be his magnum opus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. About yeah. life in South Central, black manhood. This yes. is his thesis on black manhood. This is his thesis on black manhood. Yes, that in just those openings. This is his moonlight. Mm. This is his fences. This is his raisin in the sun. In just those first 20 minutes, this movie has shifted from absurdist visuals to stark, harsh reality from a misogynistic point of view to total BS. All of it written and acted and directed very amateurishly. Mm. Because a lot of the staging in this film is straight out of sitcom 101. Mm. The dialogue, all of the dialogue sounds like first draft. Mm. Like he wrote this and said, boom. Yeah. Which makes sense that yeah. he produced it. Right. Nobody checked him on it. That's yeah. the first thing I'm hearing because I hear you. I've seen, you know, uh, AJ Johnson in a couple of things, and I thought she wasn't a bad actress. Yeah, you know, um, and Taraji P Henson. This is her first, her first movie, but you can see automatically just from her walking from, yeah. from the from the clinic. Mm-hmm. Just her holding fort in that scene where she's in bed and Tyrese is doing whatever he's calling acting above her. Right. You can see that she has a presence. And she actually has a fair number of colors in this film. She does. She she has she has levels. There are some disturbing levels yeah, in, yeah, in yeah, what yeah. it speaks of about black women or what he's trying to say about right. black women. Maybe black women in South Central know black women. I hey, she's just acting the script. But exactly. Just she's just acting the script. She's just doing what the script and I and I and especially considering that this is her movie day. Culture Kings is a podcast on the How Stuff Works Network, hosted by comedians Jackie's Neal and Edgar Montplacier. Every Wednesday and Friday, these two friends dive into topics ranging from sports, music, to movies, style. They wonder whether or not Donald Glover is a genius or a weirdo. They continuously decipher Kanye West's tweets and behavior. They also have recurring segments like Queen of the Week, The List, and Top Fives like Marvel Movies and Video Games. Listen to Culture Kings and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and find out the best way to eat a taco. Oh. What's the best way to eat a taco, Vince? With your hands? With your hands. Also, with salsa on top of everything to hold the ingredients down. It's like a layer. It's the layer. Right. So that the lettuce doesn't fall off. Can't have falling lettuce. Most likely the director right. is telling her to do. Right. And because of that, this movie is just a train wreck happening. It is 
unintentionally funny. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It is way unintentionally funny. And I think... I th- and, and I think the reason why it sounds like a, a first draft is because not only was this film meant, you know, as John Singleton wrote it, for Tupac Shakur yes. in the lead role. And which, you know, and they pay uh, homage to Tupac because he's adorned on um, on Jody's wall. Sidebar, you're probably not the right person to ask because as we've established, you and I are actually a little older than the Tupac target audience. Okay. Was that weird to you? The, the big spray painting of Tupac behind his bed? Not, not. That one weird to you? Not in the year 2000. Tupac died 1996. Like in 2000, like I love Nas in 2000. Mm-hmm. I ain't never had no, no spray painted. Any, you know what? I went to a Prince concert. Mm-hmm. And I walked past non-Prince t-shirts until I found one that didn't have his face on it, mm-hmm. looking all princey, mm-hmm. just because I thought that was a lot. Okay. How old were you? A uh, 30. That's different. Okay. This is, Tyrese is playing a 20-year-old. 20-year-old. So spray paint Tupac behind your bed is all right. Probably when he's about 17, 18 years he old. Probably spray he probably So this is part years. of him being infantilized, so he makes right. models and plays with bikes and he has Tupac spray painted. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's all. Go ahead. I, mean, I, I, I mean to stop your flow. Go ahead. But, um, you know, this Tupac was meant to play this role. Yes. Yes. And also if I'm, if I'm correct, uh, before he was, before his untimely before death, before his untimely death, uh, also in the role of Sweepy, which is played by Omar Gooding. I believe that role was supposed to be ice cube. Okay. So, okay. I've never, that makes sense though. Right. Yeah, it makes sense. So it and it also makes sense that once you lose Tupac, who as big a ice as big a fan as Ice Cube, and as big as Ice Cube probably was at the time, Tupac definitely was the draw. Would have been the draw. Oh yeah, you know, yeah yeah. Uh, once you lose Tupac, I can see maybe the wind going out of the sails, John Singleton sails with this project. Okay. You know, when he's probably writing it in, in 95, 96, and then, you know, Tupac dies. Come back to it in 2001, I got to put a movie out. You know, I got this Tyrese dude. Hey, we can do this. I got this I got this script sitting here up on, on the shelf. Come on. I got some money. Let's. We're going to shoot it in my, in my old neighborhood. Right, right. Let's knock it out. Right. You know? Cube ain't going to be in this. No, nah, I'd, I'd, I'd have acted with... Uh, Tupac, I ain't gonna act with this dude. Come on, dude. Right. by then Cube is a bigger name. He don't, yeah, yeah, he yeah, don't yeah, need absolutely. that. You know what I'm saying? So I can see that. I don't think I, I want to believe that John Singleton's heart is not really in this project. Okay, you know, and he's he's going through he's going through the motions, trying to pull at what you know he wrote in the script, but. This script, this script needed like at least two or three more uh, drafts. You know what I think happens, and I have no proof of this whatsoever. But I've been thinking about this since we watched Poetic Justice. I feel like at this moment there was so much pressure on these black directors mm-hmm. to do everything. Like Spike Lee wrote, directed, produced to be that guy. Keenan Ivory Wayans wrote, directed, produced, right. 
Um, you know, Maddie Rich even has, is in the mix at this point. Robert writing, Townsend. Robert Townsend, right, direct. And I feel like there was so much pressure on you that you could like you had you couldn't just be a director. And everybody can't do everything. Everybody's not meant to do everything. You know, everybody's not meant to do everything. Or, or some only have a limited number of stories in them. I stand by what I said before. I think John Singleton is a good journeyman director. I would hear, and I guess proof has, has played that out because, you know, he did do uh, the one of the Fast and Furious movies. Curiously, he hasn't been asked back to do any more. Right, right, Um right. Uh, and he's not being asked back to do a whole lot of other stuff, and now he's and now he's executive producing on on television, right? Um, because I actually think, while you think he's a journeyman director, I guess journeyman fits. I I actually don't think he's that great of a director. I mean, I think I, I think I think know, he shot his load as a I mean, director. he's not Ed Wood. Well, no, he's not Ed Wood. He's yeah. not that. He's not, and he's not Brett Ratner. Right, right, right. You know, I think he. But I think you can trust him with stuff. I guess. I guess. You know? I, 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 I would trust F. Gary Gray a little bit more. Well, I, I think trust. F. Gary Gray is actually a good director. Yeah, now. so do I. Yeah. Um, but so because of that, and because of the drafts that I think that the movie, the, the script needs, mm-hmm. because I don't sense that John Singleton is giving his all into this. And the reason why I say that is because, like I said, by the time he does this film, he's already got a fairly uh, um, respectful filmography. Right, right, right. You know, I mean, he's already done Rosewood at this time. Right. So I don't feel like his heart is in there. So because of that, I think the main problem with this film is the director, not so much Tyrese. Tyrese is not good. Tyrese doesn't hold up. He doesn't, Tyrese is not a man, you know, much like his singing, not a man graced with great range. Right. But at the end of the day, considering that this is his debut. Right. He's doing Tyrese. He gets devoured in every scene he's in. Well, he, with every other act, with, every uh, other actor well, the, in this film. Well, the unfortunate part is that the only time that he's in a, in the scene with an actor that he maybe stands a chance with is with Omar Gooding. And Omar Gooding is so ridiculous. That he's and he's so over the top. You can't take your eyes take off your of eyes him. off of him over Tyrese. You're absolutely right. Um but when he's in the scenes with uh, Taraji B. Henson or uh AJ Johnson, who who, you're right, is giving the right amount of intensity uh and and sass and 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 uh, character beats in this film, right? The words just sound hollow because they, like I say, they right, sound right. like first drafts, right? Right. You know, right. I see, I see what she's trying to do, but the words just aren't matching what she's giving, right? Um, and then we come to Ving Rhames, and then we come to Ving Rhames as Melvin, who <laughs> is. Can I say it one time before you start? Will you permit me? Will you permit me to say? I'll permit you this one last unindulgence. Yes. Hey, Lynn. Yes. You want some breakfast? (laughs) Unfortunately, I had baby boy for breakfast. (laughs) Ving Rhames is, I think, at the same time, having fun. Uh huh. Just going for what he what he knows, (laughs) and also. 
at the same time, regretting that he ever put his <laughs> name on a contract. Because there's a scene where Tyrese is telling Ving Rhames about himself, telling him about uh, how he looked up his son mm-hmm. and had a conversation with his son. He said he used to beat his mother's ASS. That's what you're going to do to my mama, Melvin? And you see Ving Rhames is standing up against the wall and he's beating himself <laughs> against the head as he's listening to this. This is Ving Rhames saying like, oh, why'd I turn? Nah, you ain't that why, crazy. Why'd I, turn down, why'd I turn down Kingpin and Ben Affleck's Daredevil? You ain't that crazy. Yeah, I know that's right. <laughs> and then what happens, Lynn? What happens then? <laughs> then what happens in the scene? Then what happens? After Jody tells him that he's looked up his his children. Because because after that, after Ving Rhames pu- literally puts his hand his head in his hands and says, Why am I in this movie? <laughs> or he then realizes in character, I got two strikes. Right. Because that's what he's saying the entire film. I got, I got two, two strikes. Because <laughs> he got 187 tattooed on his bicep. His bicep that is bigger than my torso. His bicep is bigger than the screen. Good Lord. <laughs> so not, not 10 seconds after he does that and walks out of frame. Because Jody closes his eyes. How are you going to close your eyes? How are you going to let this one get out your sight? You do not close your eyes when Godzilla is in the room. <laughs> You do not do that. So what's he do, Lynn? So Tyrese <laughs> prepares to take a breath. <laughs> but before said breath can, can be released, Big Rames has him in the world's largest full Nelson. And has literally... Cut off all <laughs> circulation, all fluids oh, Lord. from oh, Lord. Tyrese's body oh, Lord. to his head. His head is ashen white as Ving Rhames just locks down and licks him. Yeah, yeah. I stayed off you out of respect for that woman. Off you. But if it was up to me, I'd have broke you down a long time ago. Ten years, ten years I was in prison. You know what I see when I look at you? I'm sorry, Lynn. I, I've been so I've been good for go, like a half go, hour. Go. You know what I see when I look at you? A little chocolate shape. And then he licks his bald head real quick. He licks it real quick. Little Jody. Little Jody. Yes, he does. He's... Little Jody. <laughs> yeah, we was we was locked down. I had you on your knees. I take his <laughs> and it's and that's the moment. Like that's the moment right that's there it. where you realize. That if this scene keeps going, Melvin's going to rape Jody. No, he's not. Melvin's going to rape Jody. No, he's not. He's, he's going, as a sign of dominance. He's not. Everything that I've learned about prison from the films <laughs> and the television show Oz. <laughs> I say from Oz. Oz has told us, has taught us. Oz taught me that Melvin is about to rape Jody. He was not about to rape Jody. And he may or may not have to wear a dress from now on. <laughs> And he's no longer allowed to urinate standing up. If Juanita hadn't called in there and said she was going to get cigarettes, 
Jody was going to have to give Melvin his cornbread for the rest of his life. You're going to eat your cornbread. And then, I don't know if you caught this, because you, you usually don't catch this the first time you watch I it. Because you're so in shock. When Juanita comes in, Melvin goes up to her. And gives her a little half. And nice. playfully puts her in the same hold that he just had Jody in. While putting his hand near her punani. Yes, and looking at Jody. The whole time. Looking at Jody the whole time. The whole time. It is the most off-putting scene. It is the most uncomfortable scene. Like, I'm laughing about it. Part of the reason I'm laughing about it is as a defense mechanism. It is one of the most uncomfortable scenes I've ever seen in film. That's interesting because I didn't feel uncomfortable about that. Because I didn't feel, one, I didn't feel like he was about to rape him. Oh, Melvin was going to rape him. He was not going to rape him. Oh, Melvin was going to rape him. He was not going to rape him. You know why he wasn't going to rape him? Because. Because Juanita was actually in the house? No. Because. No. (laughs) Because at his heart, like you have said, Melvin, like Taraji P. Henson, regardless of what the script was giving them, was portraying a whole lot of stuff in this movie. And Melvin was a good guy. That don't mean Melvin don't. He wasn't going to rape Melvin. Don't was not going to raise dominance. He was not going to. No, no. The full Nelson. The full Nelson was all he needed to do, and he knew that that was all he needed to do to exude his dominance on Jody. Now Jody, Jody test him again later in the Jody movie. Jody test him again because Melvin, Melvin hit Jody so hard, I felt it. Yeah, yeah. He changed the channel. <laughs> I was like, it's not CNN. Back to Amazon. He knocked him through the floor. <laughs> he knocked him into the Fast and the Furious. And, and what is what is Jody thinking? Like, when Jody said, I got some steel for you, like, I'm against violence and I'm against guns, but that made sense to me that if Jody was going to go up against Melvin, he probably should have brought a gun. Yeah. Because Melvin's like three t- You know what? I was watching Blackfish again the other day. And the arrogance of these people Mm -hmm. that they get in the water with what is basically a giant murder dolphin. (laughs) Like, let's go swim with the giant murder dolphins. Yes. And then people are surprised if they act like giant murder dolphins, which is what they are. I don't know what Jody thought was going to happen exactly with Melvin. Yes, I'm calling Melvin the blackfish. I'm calling Melvin. I would love to see a film with Melvin versus Trilicum, the blackfish. Two monsters enter, one monster leaves. So Melvin is a killer whale now. Yes. And Jody is poking. Jody is not giving him the fish out the bucket. He's not giving <laughs> him the fish out the bucket. You got to have the voiceover. The, he hears the ice slushing in the bucket. He knows that there is no fish left, and he has performed, so he knows that he deserves fish. And then he had to thin out the water, swimming towards her. And then the screen goes black. There's been an incident at SeaWorld. This reenactment of the documentary Blackfish brought to you by Netflix, where you can catch uh, the documentary uh, streaming now. Can we do Blackfish? It's got black in the title. That's a, that's a, <laughs> that satisfies your quota. Let's just do a bad day at Black Rock as well. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I, I actually, 
I enjoyed Ving Rhames in this movie. Oh, I love Ving Rhames in this movie. I I was I enjoyed one hundred percent of him in this movie. I felt that the whole Jody finding out about his son and all that t- type of stuff that felt false to me, and and ultimately it doesn't really bear any fruit in this well, movie. Well, in in the film's defense. I like the fact that Melvin had a past and it wasn't like a romantic a romanticized bad boy past. Like he really had some bad stuff yes, in yes, his past. Yes. And I think part of the reason that he snaps is because I don't I believe everything Jody said. About, well, no, I about, believe it. About his, yes, about you know, his, his, the mother's baby mother you know, and, and son and, and all that. And stuff. you, yeah. you know, I, I think I'm like you. I actually love this. I actually think there are several characters in this film looking for a better film. Mm-hmm. And you know, I like I like Melvin's character. You know, I talked a little bit. About, I love AJ Johnson's character. Mm-hmm. You know, I love this sort of. You know, like she said, don't Mama deserve a life? Yeah. And you know, you have this child young. She's only 38 in this film. I know. I actually enjoy um I enjoy um Snoop Rodney to a certain extent. And, uh, I mean he's ridiculous. He's ridiculous. He's ridiculous, but I you know it's it's something there. No, uh, it's Snoop. It's he's Snoop. Being, it's Snoop being Snoop. And so it, it I mean it's actually Snoop being a caricature of Snoop. Right. Cuz even at this at this point Snoop is putting on true as Snoop. True. That's true. Yeah, yeah, in 2000 Two thousand one. That's true. That's very true. Yeah, I mean, right? He, he, Snoop was he was he was whatever. He didn't. He just served to be the instrument of the redemption of Jody. Which by the end of the movie, can which, we talk about that for a moment, please? What did Jody like? Like, I know you're supposed to. You know, I just talked about uh, raising in the sun. Is that great line at the end of raising it? So you know, he came into his manhood today. Mm-hmm. And I know we're supposed to feel by the end. That Jody has sort of transcended into manhood. Yeah. But what did he really do? Like, there's no sense that nothing that he's gotten a job. He, I mean, I guess they're engaged. Like, like she got her pregnant, and and they didn't. And they decided to have it. And baby. they decided to have it. And but she gave him a key to her apartment. Like that's still her apartment. Mm-hmm. Still her car. It's still her car. And so, he still got the bike because the bike was in the living room. Because the, the bike is in the living room, so I guess he's monogamous now. Is that is that is that the big coming of age that yeah. he's monogamous? What does it say? Boy, that bar is real low. It it, it is real low, and the the bar is real low for um, the women in this film. It makes sense for Juanita, his mother, right to be with Melvin because you know she's she's older she's lived right right you know what I mean um and she's at a point in her life where you know she's choosing that this this might work right it's gonna work for me you know what I'm saying so she's like, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make this work, and he seems like he's a good dude. Plus, apparently, he blow her back out, which <laughs> with, with squats, which is a big part of the plot. I mean, which he, I appreciate it. She's not gonna be like Big Mom and just be sitting in here. 
No, she wasn't. This no. is not a Tyler Perry uh, mother. No, she, no, 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 not at all. So it makes sense for her. But what sense does it make for every other woman in this movie that their bar is set so low with the guys that they're dealing with? Without addressing it. Like, yeah. this should have been addressed that, you know, the you know, I don't know, the pickings are slim or... I don't know any better or, right. you know, this is the only thing I've seen. But you're right. To have it there without commentary yeah. is is a little problematic. That's, 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 that's um, like I say, it's, it's a movie that's decidedly from the male point of view. So I'm right. not saying you have to, it has to be the main thing. I'm right. not saying it even necessarily has to be a plot line, but it, it needs to be addressed. Right. Because it is, it really, I mean... I like to think that if I saw this even in 2001, I, that still would have hit me. Right. Well, I think, I think that has certainly been part of the critique as years have gone by. You know, kind of like, like we were just talking about where, you know, at the end, what has Jody really done Yeah. to, to sort of have this? Re- Although I will say this, something that I caught today. There is this really kind of unintentional subplot where the women are in a lot of ways using Jody as almost a stud horse. No. Like there are two or three instances in the film where women say to him, basically, I, I'll call you when I want, or I'm using you for sex, or I want this, or, you, you know, like that's really your big commodity. No, but that, but they say that to him only in response to him coming at them. Right. It's not, it, it, they're they're not, you know, they're not just putting him in that box. They are tired of the box he's trying. To, he's been trying to put them in, and they're just letting him know that they're turning the table. Like, no, this is where okay. you are. Okay, well, you know what? I'll take that. Yeah. As so again, this there are the there are these interesting little sprouts. But the thing that is, I wish it, would have been watered and nurtured and fed and turned into something more interesting than what we end up getting. But the thing is, is that you you have his daughter's mother, who you don't peanut peanut, who essentially is one of the women that does that to him. Yes, which, I'll call you when I right, want some. Mm. Which gives you the impression that you know, okay, she's finally fed up. Then that makes you wonder. Then what's Taraji's story? Right. Why can't you? Why can't you? Well, the film wants us to believe that this is true love. Ask me why. Why? I have no idea. <laughs> but for some because reason, it says so. right? The film uh, expects us to be invested in this relationship between these two people, but there's never actually anything on screen that makes you think that this is a couple that you want to win. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and and it makes you think that. Okay, this is a woman who's put up with whatever right. for Jody for years, obviously. Yes. Knowing that he's got another baby mama, knowing that he's tricking and, and, and having sex and all over the place, and right, still right. giving it up to him and doing Because whatever. for the record, Peanuts child, his daughter is younger. Is younger, than right? The child that he has. And knowing that he's tried to almost slept with somebody at a, at her job and, yes. and all this other all this other stuff. And it gets to a point where she finally has enough of it and kicks him out. Yes. But and and at that point you're like you know like okay intestinal fortitude for for um 
for my girl. That's 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 what's up. You know, she even now after went, they have a fight, and by a fight they you know because he hits her. Yeah, he yeah. does hit her. And we she hit him first. Well, I just want to know that he, she did I mean, hit which, him which, first you know, you know, in the little, face. I'm a little problematic about that staging, like the fact that they set it up. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That, that we're going to forgive him for that. Again, because, that's the whole. Yeah. But um, so you have her do that. You're supposed to pick up and put in another room and then lead a room. Only for Rodney, who you learn is her previous boyfriend ex-boyfriend yeah 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 rodney or ex-boyfriend we don't know how many exes to go whatever he gets out of jail comes comes home and because of the one letter that she had written to him she wrote out of two. pity excuse me two out of pity you know um the parole officer you know said that it was cool for him to just come there without ever checking with her that makes no sense hey i don't know how the prison system works in south, south central, central. And he kind of like just holds up in her in her spot. So we're meant to believe that, okay, this woman that just, you know, got tired of all this drama is just going to lay down and take this? Well, I think the film, and again, back to my, these women almost, using him almost like a stud horse. I think the film is, is trying to make this case of, okay, he's unemployed. He doesn't have his own house. He doesn't have a car. He doesn't have any, again, any of these things we talk about mm-hmm. as markers of adulthood and manhood. But he does bring something to the table. And then you say, okay, movie, what does he bring to the table? Daddy. And, well, well, there's that. But there's also the implication that he keeps other dangers away. Okay. Like, I think what the film wants you to believe is that if if Jody was there, and Rodney came home. Rodney would never have come in the apartment. Yeah, but I don't. I don't know. I. Why am I thinking so hard about this movie? <laughs> you th- I was about to say you thinking real hard about like we like sitting here talking about middle of nowhere the way you talking. I know. Talking I know. About the prison system. I know. <laughs> I know. It's it's just it's just it just really is um an insane movie. I mean like. Uh, like Omar Gooding's character, all of a sudden, you know, he, he's he's like this this he's like this gang banger with all about guns, and I'm only good at robbing and all this stuff type of stuff. And then because he can't sell a dress on the street to one woman, his next scene is like, I want to get saved. I want to get saved. See, that's another little sprout that I wish would have blossomed into an entirely different movie. This sentiment that. Because these black men can't get jobs, there's all this entrepreneurial shit that has come up, whether it's Melvin with his landscaping business. I actually like the establishing shot of all the men selling stuff. That was so... Don't look at me like that. That was so poorly staged. I know, but I like Guys it. just coming in off of camera, CDs. Yes. Socks. The cake man. The cake man. Oh, my God. I didn't like this movie. <laughs> it's just, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. I know I probably could have give you a little bit more insight and all that, ladies and gentlemen. I didn't like the movie. I did not like this movie. I'm so glad I'm finished. I'm glad that it's over. This was just a bad movie. It was, in, I, I, yes, 
Ving Rhames was fun, and I'm sure somebody has done a supercut of all of Ving Rhames scenes from um, Baby Boy, including the scene that you keep quoting hey, Lynn. about him. Hey, Lynn. You want some breakfast? You want some breakfast? I don't want any <laughs> breakfast, but I want somebody to tell me why do you think John Singleton holds on that scene as long as he does when we see Jake, that Ving Rhames is naked in the kitchen. Well, who doesn't want to spend 45 seconds on butt-naked, greasy Ving Rhames? That's obviously eggs. for the women. I guess. Um, I, well, I or mean, for anybody I, who likes it. Because, again, I think this is an amazingly homoerotic film. Well, no. I, I mean, to me... To me, just being fair, there like are I think of, this is for a male gaze. Well, no, see, I, I think Tyrese is for a male gaze in this film. See, I, see, see, I think that's being unfair. It, it, that's being unfair because there are t- not a lot, but there is some nudity in this movie, including Ving Rhames, Tyrese, Taraji P. Henson, and I think there's one other person. Yes, that's, but that's you look nude. at the way Ving Rhames and Tyrese's nudity is handled, mm-hmm. and you look at the way that the women's nudity is handled in yeah. this film. Yeah, it is much more eroticized with the yes, men. Yes. It is it is it is lit in a certain way. Yes. Like this this is almost eighties action film level homoerotic. See, but I don't think that that necessarily has to be homoerotic. How, how why can't that simply be you know, g- giving John Singleton maybe a little bit, uh, give him some credit that maybe he's not due, I don't know. But why can't that simply be him giving the lady some? Because I think there is a way. I mean, think about think about it. We just went on. Dorian Missick yes. just wrote us an email yes. about how he can't really discuss in the email what a greasy tarot hicks really meant to him. Yes. In but belly. I, I think a greasy tarot hicks is shot in the same way as these men are shot. And I just don't think when you shoot I don't think when you shoot sexuality for the female gaze, it is as it is usually as as greasy. It is usually as like I'm thinking I'm trying to think of a good example of what I think some maleness shot for female gaze would be. I'm trying to think of a good example. I just think the muscular the 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 mus the, the muscularness of it, the, the 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 again the oil it's just very masculine to me. Like it's very much how you shoot. Like the t- like, I think there's more in common with Terrell Hicks scenes in Belly and Ving Rhames scenes in Baby Boy than there are. Um, I mean, you think about Denzel Washington and Mo Better Blues. Okay. Okay. You think about. Um, I can't think of any any good. I mean, you 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 think about Idris Elba in The Wire mm-hmm. and the way he shot. Where I think that oftentimes these are these are, are are men being shot for again the female gaze. One, you have to be cognizant that you are a man saying that. So yes. who's to say? Who, who's to I mean, say, absolutely. I mean, okay, obviously, so who's to right, say right, 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 right. Yeah, that? yeah. Two, you're talking about two very skilled directors. In Spike Lee, right, and in um, and in, in the makers of The Wire, right, uh, versus Hype Williams, who was 
all about imagery. Yes. And John Singleton, both of whom, especially in the films that you've just shown, are, let's say, have some questionable views on women based on their films and who probably, I w- it would not be hard to imagine, feel that, you know, oh, sexy is greasing someone down. Right, but but that's still whether you do it on purpose or not. This has more in common with Tom of Finland or, again, Arnold Schwarzenegger in Commando. Or you know those 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 uh those um the the, the weightlifting magazines mm-hmm. that would be on the shelf in Seven Eleven mm-hmm. next to to like the the Playboy and the Hustler and like you didn't know why like you were a healthy dude when you were like fourteen but there was something about the weightlifting magazines that just kind of like you just knew that wasn't for you mm-hmm. I think that has more in common you, what, what what we have with Tyrese. And Ving Rhames and Baby Boy with those examples, hmm. then they do something else. I don't know. So now that's me. I and, think and, that's you. I because I think and, and you know and I you know it's like I'm, see like like we always want to start like like this is a really interesting conversation that we start over the hour like the hour is over. I now. know like we should be <laughs> we got to. But I think that's up. I think that's a really interesting conversation. Like this male nudity, who is it for? Yeah, I thought it was homoerotic. So that I see it, I see it, it more for a male gaze. Mm-hmm. You see it as for a female gaze. Right. It would be curious. And here's a question of the day. To ask our lady missionaries for films that featured male nudity. Did that right, right. That spoke to or, them. Or the male body. Yeah, the, the male, male body. Like, again, something, the feature something, the male body. Yeah, something that is for the female gaze. Yes. Like, so everything is usually for the male gaze. Like, and, and, and you can include baby boy in this again. if you are so inclined. Yes. Yeah. Because you're right. We are both men. We're both mm-hmm. heterosexual men. Right. So we are looking at it from that point of view. Right. So it'll be interesting to hear their point of view. And it'll be interesting to see if anybody answers oh, my question. For Christ's sake. <laughs> Please answer Lynn. I'm going to answer Lynn too. I want your answer. <laughs> so you would not recommend Baby Boy? Hell no. Okay. Well, like I say, go look for a supercut of Ving Rhames. Because I think his scenes are kind of worth it. Like, there's one, the one scene when he's, like, just dancing in the hallway. It's, it's priceless. And then the scene where, like, <laughs> Tyrese and Omar Gooding call themselves whispering. And it's like, <laughs> I hope he hears it. Guns and butter. He talking about guns and butter. See that that was kind of cool. Guns and butter. I like. I, it, it. I mean. It again. Ving Rhames first is, pass is dialogue, electric. But every it was, scene he's in. He, every he scene he's he in. He's that, electric. He killed that monologue. So I would recommend it. Um, more more because it's fun than not. But I do think in the midst of of the foolishness, and it's a lot of foolishness in this film. A lot of foolishness. I do think it's something there if you're looking for. Like I said, I'm a. I'm I'm very unironically unsmart acidly a fan of AJ Johnson in this film. Yeah, uh, there's a scene. Someone who should have been, done a lot more. Oh, work. come on, stop! Don't even get. We're already over. You know me and AJ Johnson, like yeah. like like you know my Rosetta Stone is again the inkwell, right? So you know, don't get me started on AJ Johnson. Um, but there's a scene with AJ Johnson and Monique 
where they're playing backgammon. I forgot all about that. And yeah. and and like the scene cuts and it follows Tyrese's character, and I'm like, I want to see more of AJ Johnson and Monique playing backgammon and talking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I think if you are a fan of Taraji P. Henson, this is where it starts. And then the aforementioned Ving Rhames. But, you know, it's not a good film. It's not what we would call a good film. But as I've said before, and I'll say again, if I go home right now and it's on, I'm going to sit down and turn to it. So there you go. Because you know what, Lynn? I do want some breakfast. And with that, (laughs) (laughs) we were... We welcome you to check out all the past episodes of the Michelle Mission, available for your download, streaming pleasure on MichelleMission.com, as well as via iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and any place a good podcast be, including the CLNS Podcast Network. Um, and you can check the Michelle Mission every Wednesday at 8 p.m. on WPPM LP 106.5 FM, People Power Media, Philly Cam Radio. Right here in the city of brotherly love and sisterly affection. All right, we got to get out of here. We're running way over. Um, so hopefully, if you listen to the radio, you've enjoyed it. But I'm telling you, you need to listen to the podcast. <laughs> um, that's it. Do we know what we're doing next week? Or I have to find out. Have if, to figure out what's what. If Leanne is coming in, or is it, okay. Well, if not, it's your turn. So. If not, it's my turn. We'll watch something that Lynn has chosen. We'll exactly. <laughs> All right, we gotta get out of here. I'm Lynn. He's Vince. In parting, we say, "We'll see you when it's time to meet again." It's time to bid adieu. It's been a pleasure knowing you. I'll see you when it's time to meet again. <laughs>